Good afternoon. My name is Terry Morgan, and I'm here for Channel15Radio.com, old-time radio drama for a new era. We're speaking with Tanya Roa today. Tanya is with Sustainable Harvest International. They have a network of global coordinators and organizers working with farmers all over the world. Welcome, Tanya. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Tell me a little bit about your program. Sure. So Sustainable Harvest International started in Panama, and that's just because our founder and current director of strategic growth, Florence Reed, she went there from the U.S. to Panama with Peace Corps. Um, And while she was there, she noticed that there was just a huge need to combat slash and burn agriculture, conventional agriculture that was deforesting the land and in turn hurting a lot of people and their health and of course the planet health as well. So that's where Sustainable Harvest International came about. Uh, She really wanted to do more than just go for a few weeks. She wanted something more long-term. And we are currently working with Belize, Honduras, and Panama. Um, We hope to expand. We've worked with other countries in the past, so it just keeps changing depending on need and partnerships. You work very closely with the farmers in the areas that you're working. And I've got a couple of questions for you. The first one really is is about this clear-cutting that you just mentioned. Why are trees important to farming besides being a windbreak and, you know, creating some shade and all that? Why are trees important? Yeah, great question. So trees just bring so many benefits to people and planet in general. They help filter water, for example, just by being plants who use those materials and then give them out in different ways. And they keep the soil intact. A lot of these areas, they're really affected with soil erosion because the soil just gets so degraded. It's no longer resilient when floods come, when a lot of rain is coming, which is, of course, becoming more and more extreme with climate change. We see just mountainsides completely wiped out if they erode after a huge storm. But trees, because of their root systems that are so strong, they really keep that soil intact. And they keep the soil healthier and able to absorb that water rather than just let it run off um, off the mountainside. So many, many potential uh, benefits that trees bring for agriculture, regenerative agriculture. Talk a little bit more about that concept, if you would please, that idea of regenerative agriculture. Yeah, of course. So this really is a term that's getting used more and more. So I agree, we should really define what we mean. And for us, it it's a general term that just means working with the soil, working with nature rather than against it as conventional agriculture does. And when we say conventional agriculture, we mean industrial agriculture. It's also used as that term, which is using a lot of pesticides, a lot of chemical fertilizers, and that slash and burn agriculture, which is quite literally slashing trees and burning the land in order to begin growing food. But we believe that regenerative agriculture is an answer to restoring that soil because you want to work with nature in order to grow your food rather than destroying nature and expecting it to grow food for you. That can maybe work for a little bit of time, but it really is not sustainable. And so that's why we often use the term sustainable agriculture as well. 
So I, said, I know it's a lot of terms, but at the end of the day, we really just want to emphasize that soil health is important and that actually that's more that leads to more long term results for these farmers who really want to be food secure. They just want to grow their own food, be able to provide for their families, maybe for their communities as well. And so they need soil that will last for a while. And that's where regenerative agriculture comes into play. It's, it's more about the ecosystem than it is about this one crop, right? Exactly, yes. Uh, planting in different crops, diverse crops, is super essential to that. And mixing it with native species, what kind of seeds are you using? So using organic practices, everything that we use comes from the earth. We don't bring chemicals far away. We use materials that are in Panama for the Panama program, in Belize for the Belize program. So you really want to use local natural resources that are available to you and reuse. So, for example, a lot of the farmers have chicken coops and the chickens will help you create compost just by being chickens. And so there they eat the food waste. That food waste becomes compost and that helps your soil. So it's just whole cycle that you're becoming a part of. I keep going on that a little bit more. So when you're working, when you're selecting the farmers and you're you're talking with the farmers out in the literally out in their fields and mm-hmm. talking to, with them in their homes, what are they telling you about what they need? Yes, great question as well. So yeah, it really is an open conversation. There is each case is different. Each region can be really different. And not even just each country, but each specific area in the country that we work with. Uh, Let's keep in mind, these are very rural communities. So sometimes they are not as, um, they don't have as much access to electricity as we would in maybe more urban areas. So it's just very different with who we work with and how. And we really base our farmers um, off of one need and really logistics. So There can be a lot of need, but if someone doesn't really know how to grow food or maybe they're not interested in it at all, of course, we're not forcing anyone to work with us. So we kind of have this open conversation at first. Hey, are you interested in growing your food? Have you ever tried it before? Because maybe they've tried it with a conventional agriculture and they've given up or something like that. We kind of come in and say, well, what if you tried it this way and begin planting that seed Mm -hmm. metaphorically, but of course, then literally And little by little, we build this relationship with them. And so that need kind of turns into different things. At first, it could be just knowledge. Oh, yes, I want to grow my own food, but I don't know how. So we come in with that technical assistance. Later on, it becomes, well, you know, I'm growing my own food. That's great. But I need to support my family as well. How can I make this into a small business? And that's where our small entrepreneur business program phase of the program comes in. So there is just... Because we are, of course, human-centered, we really have to look at all their needs, not just the need of growing food and fixing the soil, but also what do they need to provide for? How many people are in their family? Some have larger families than others, so they may really need that small business aspect. Um, So it does vary, but generally we really just work with them and we like to say we partner with them because we're learning a lot from them as well as we go. Is there any particular characteristic or um, aspiration that you look for in the people that you're working with? So, you know, some one person might want to really develop 
a farm that will produce for the whole community. Another person might want to develop some new seeds that would help their fellow farmers. And how do you how do you look at that and what kinds of things do you look at? Yeah, so there are some basics for every country, just depending on what crops are best for the region um, because of climate. These are all tropical areas, but it's still slightly different in each area. And also depending on your terrain, some of them are actually alongside the mountain. So that makes it difficult for certain crops. Maybe you need more flat land for that. So just depending on their particular situation, we start suggesting crops work from there, see which ones do well, see which ones don't. It really is a long process. And the idea is that throughout these five phases of our program, they pick up different skills. And of course, the idea is that after the program, they continue with these. So maybe they learn how to grow a certain crop throughout the program. But after they graduate, they may turn to a different crop. And we have seen that happen. Sometimes they want to expand their their land. And so they may... Of course. Yeah. They may um, start with a small plot, but then as they learn more skills, they graduate and they think, okay, now I'm going to grow different crops because I want more land. Um, So we just see it as let's provide technical assistance for as we see that they are becoming more familiar with these skills, then they graduate. And from there, it really is just taking in all of that and creating their own farm that works for them. It seems like your your entire goal, the program, the, the goal for the program is not to have the farmers stay in the program. It's to have them graduate. It really is. Yeah. And it can and it's back to that long term results um, that the founder thought, well, if I come with the Peace Corps for a few weeks, that's amazing. But where are the long term results if we just keep coming back and forth for a few weeks? And we don't want them to be reliable on us, right? The idea is that we have that relationship, but that they continue on their own and we check in with them. They check in with us. It really does become a relationship between the field trainer, between SHI and with them. So it's, it's beautiful to witness. It sounds wonderful. Tanya, thank you. If any of you who've been listening would like to learn more about Sustainable Harvest International, or you're interested in supporting their work, please visit their website at sustainableharvest.org. And if you enjoyed this interview and the whole discussion of sustainable farming, please follow us. We have more stories and much more to talk about. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.